welcome you guys. So glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. I uh, also want to say hello to everybody who's joining us on Facebook Live and, uh, and YouTube. Um, as you can see, I was standing in the back because we got some, you know, got some new toys. We now have a camera that's on the stage as well as the three cameras that are here. And, uh, and, and the tech team, Samuel and others, are just doing a phenomenal job with that. And so hopefully you guys uh, at home are enjoying a couple different angles and just things that we're trying to do to make it more just feel like you're, you know, is here as much as possible. I'm about to start uh, a new series, uh, which I'm excited about starting. But before I do that, I felt like it was really, it was important. It was kind of imperative uh, that I just say something about what happened this past week, uh, specifically what happened on Wednesday um, in the Capitol. Um, and you know what? I've, I, I don't do this lightly. You know, you guys know that we're trying to keep our focus, you know, firm on Jesus. And so I'm very careful, you know, want to be very prayerful about addressing, you know, things that are happening, you know, like this. Uh, but this is something that we've never seen before. I mean, it's honestly something that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. When we saw uh, people break into the Capitol building and we saw the Capitol Police be overrun, and uh, and just a lot of the videos that came out, you know, I mean, a police officer was killed, uh, a, a woman was 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 shot in the in the Capitol and killed. I saw, you know, I, I saw a video of this one woman, uh, this congresswoman from New York, and she was hiding under the chairs in the in the main Capitol rotunda, the main well, whatever it's called, the room where they all were. And they're hearing gunshots outside. They're hearing yelling. They're hearing. They don't know. I, you know, she, she felt that somebody was going to be coming in soon and maybe wanting to kill people. And so she was praying and she was just crying out, you know, for God's protection. And and specifically, she was binding whatever spirit was out there. And and I think that that was an appropriate thing to say. Uh, that Jesus would, would bind the spirit that was at work, that was what, whatever it was that was, that was happening that we saw, which was just so horrific. And, and many of the people who got caught up in this, uh, were, were Christians, uh, who, who are believing something that's not true. Something that I really feel I need to, to, to take a moment to address. And, and it's, it's what I call Christian nationalism. And so Christian nationalism is the belief that God cares about the United States in a way that's different from how he cares and interacts with other nations. It's the belief that God is so invested in the American political system that a victory for one party over another or for one president over another president is somehow a victory for the kingdom of God. It's a belief that seems to suggest that we need to focus all of our energy, our time, our prayers, the social equity that we use on social media, spiritual gifts like prophecy in trying to secure a political outcome. And it's the belief that, that Christians' hope and security is somehow connected and intertwined with a political outcome. And I think it is this belief, Christian nationalism, which I think is growing in our country, and I think it's something that, that we really need to be wary of. I think that it is this belief to led, that led some Christians to think that they should break into the Capitol building on Wednesday while displaying signs that said, Jesus saves in Jesus 2020. This is not only dangerous, this will not only lead to bad outcomes, it is also idolatry. Because rather than looking to King God for security and comfort and strength and hope, it's looking to an earthly king. 
It is making the same mistake that we saw the, in, in the Old Testament. We saw the Israelites, Israelites make over and over again when they would look to kings and they would look to political structures rather than looking to their God. It is violating the words of Jesus. When he said in John 18, 36, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. It is violating the role of the church in the world. We are citizens of heaven. It, we are clearly, we are given the job of being ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Second Corinthians 5, 20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, now uh, ambassadors do not storm capitals. That is not something that ambassadors do. And it is ignoring the mistakes of history. I could give you historical example after example of kings and dictators and demagogues and various isms and political parties manipulating and using the church for their ends. It never works out well. The church is called to be a prophetic voice, a voice that speaks into political structures and governments, calling them to love justice, to protect the weak, to pursue righteousness. The church speaks to political structures and political leaders. The church does not speak for political structures and political leaders. And I feel that, that there's just something going on where a lot of, a lot of the church is getting confused about what our role is. And I, I saw this quote and I, I shared it on my social media this week, but it really, I, I think it's a true prophetic word. It's, it's by this guy named Dr. Derwin L. Gray, who's a, who's a pastor. He said, the early church, a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, had no political power. Rome ruled. There was no Christian supreme, supreme court. They had no cultural power. They were persecuted by both Jews and Gentiles. They had no economic power, but they had love and the power of Jesus. And I just want to be very clear as we, as we move forward as a church, with so much swirling around us that we understand our role that we understand what God is calling us to, that we understand what, what he wants the church to be, what it means that we're called to be his ambassadors, ambassadors for another kingdom, and that we understand that the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. They're not. They, they're, they're God's weapons, divine power to demolish strongholds, and that we not caught up, who get caught up in trying to pursue political power through political means. And it just seems that so many people are kind of losing their way in that, but that we have love and we have the power of Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to always focus on what it is that God has called us to do. God calls us to proclaim the gospel. God calls us to love people. God calls us to feed the hungry, to heal the sick, to, 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 to deliver the oppressed. That's what it is that we're called to do. And it, this, this Christian nationalism, it seems to be growing. It seems to really be kind of getting a hold. And we have to be careful. We have to be on guard. And so I say this this morning because I'm just, I'm trying to have integrity and I'm also trying to just see something that just to kind of warn us to be careful, to be careful that we don't get caught up in something that could really lead to some negative outcomes and that could really compromise the witness of the church. All right. So I just want to take a moment before I get into my sermon and I just want us to pray together. And so Lord, we just pray in Jesus name 
that you would give us wisdom. Lord, we want to move in your love, God. We want to move in your power. And so, God, I pray that you would fill us. Lord, I pray that this would be a season, this would be a time for your church, God, even all over the world, but especially in this country, would be a time for your church, for us to fix our eyes on you and your kingdom and what it means for us to be your ambassadors, God, that we would speak for you. And so, God, I pray that you would give us wisdom as we navigate, Lord, the the roads ahead of us. I pray that you'd give us courage, Lord, to speak truth to power. God, I pray that you'd give us kindness, Lord, that everything that we do would be done in your name and done with your love. And God, I pray that you would just, Lord, that you'd wake up your church, God, that we would be filled with the love and the power of God, that we could, as ambassadors for your kingdom, that we could hold out your hope to a world that so desperately needs it, a world that is lost in so many ways. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you'd be with us and that you would keep us safe and that you would keep our eyes on you, God, because we want to glorify your name and your name alone, for it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right, uh, so hey, I am excited to be starting this, uh, this new series. Uh, the new series, the title of it is, uh, let me get back to it here. The series is, we got some flickering lights, guys, if we can play with that. Um, this new series is called New Year, uh, New Habits. And I am, I am especially excited to be starting this new series in the midst of our 21 days of prayer. Cause we're, we're seven days into our 21 days of prayer and, uh, there's been a lot of prayers that have been prayed. There's been, we had a wonderful, even yesterday was such a great time of prayer, crying out to God for him to move and work. And I can, I can feel the, the kind of the power of all those prayers and I'm, and I'm ready to preach. I'm excited. This is actually my first uh, sermon for 2021. And so open up your message guides. You've got on your app, you've got a message guide. Pretty every week I always put together fill in the blanks and it has all the, all the scripture passage that we're going to look at. So new year, new habits. We get this opportunity every year. We get this opportunity to make some changes. Now, there's lots of, you know, we can make changes in our life any time during the year, but there's something that's kind of powerful about the calendar flipping over from one year to another. There's something, there's something that I think it kind of helps us and it kind of motivates us. And I know all the stats about changes not lasting and New Year's resolutions, you know, not holding up, but I am hoping that over the course of the next few weeks, that we together, that we're going to go on a journey together and we're going to instill some biblical habits into our life that can make a difference. Aristotle, the philosopher, he said this. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not <coughs> is not an act, but a habit. Now, there's some questions about whether or not Aristotle actually said that. It's attributed to him. He may not have said it, but it's a good quote. It's, there's actually a lot of truth in that. See, what we do is we develop these habits, and a lot of the habits that we have in our life, we're not intentional about them. They just kind of happen. They become reflexive. They become something that we just do without thinking about it. And And I heard someone say, and I think it's really true, that part of the pain in our life, the frustration, the disappointment that we have, is that we have these uphill habits. I mean, these, we have these uphill hopes. We have these, these things that we want to accomplish in our life. We have, you know, we want to live for God's purposes and we want to bear fruit and we want our life to live in a certain way. So we have these uphill hopes, but the problem is we have downhill habits. We don't have the right habits to support the hope, to support the things that we want to, want to accomplish in our life. And so we have very intentionally 
We have set up our church in a way, especially over the last couple of years, where we are trying to help you form some really good spiritual habits that can make a difference in your life, that can bring you into everything that God has for you. And so, and so something that I've said over the last couple of years, you know, and I think we can say it, and I've seen the fruit of it, is we can say, give us a year, right? If you want to see some change in your life, if you want to see some spiritual growth in your life, go all in on the North Jersey Vineyard for a year. And I'm not saying that because we've got it all figured out and our programs and everything is just the best. What I say that because God inhabits his church. And so if you go all in on the church, you're going to be bumping up against God over and over and over again. And that's going to produce some change in your life. And so go all in. You know what? 52 weeks out of the year, come and worship God. Don't just come to church or join us online when you feel like it. Say that, you know what? I'm going to go all in and I'm going to worship God with my church family and I'm going to, I'm going to not leave it up to chance. I'm going to be there. We've got life groups that are starting. If you haven't found a small group, say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. They're all going to start on Zoom this year and then we'll see kind of what happens as we go forward. But say, I'm going to take this opportunity to make some new friends, to grow spiritually. We're going to be starting the growth track up again in a little bit. It's going to be a combination of in-person, online. You'll be hearing more about that. You know, we've got opportunities to serve on Team Vineyard. And, and maybe, you know, maybe if you're not comfortable yet kind of serving alongside of people, I, I get that. We're not pressuring you. But uh, if you are, you know, we've got, we have policies that kind of keep everyone separated and masks on. There's all sorts of ways that you can, that you can serve. Uh, 21 days of prayer. We're seven days in. We've got 14 more days left. Go all in. Listen, get up at six o'clock in the morning, tomorrow morning, you know, and come here in person or, or join us on Facebook Live and, and really participate uh, in this opportunity to kind of press into God together with your church family. As the year goes on, we'll go back to having, you know, hopefully soon conferences and different training opportunities. Go all in. Because you're going to be bumping up against God over and over again. And because here's the thing, God wants to change our lives. God wants to finish the work that he started in us. And, and it's not easy to, to live the life that God is calling us to do. We're saved by grace, but there's some effort that's involved in forming these habits that can support that life. It's challenging and it takes deliberate intentionality. Everything that's worthwhile is going to take, is going to take a little bit of effort. And, and so over the course of this month, I'm going to give you each week, I'm going to give you four habits. I'm going to try to be as practical as I can. Things that we can do that can really support everything that God wants to do in our life, that this would be a time of change. This would be a time of spiritual growth. And some of you right now, some of you might already be kind of checking out. You might be saying, oh man, you know what? I've tried to change before and I've set goals and I haven't been able to do it. So I'm just going to kind of wave the white flag of surrender and this is my life and this is just what it's going to be. Don't do that because that's a lie. See, we're not talking about doing something based on your strength and your, you know, your ability to follow through. We're talking about cooperating with God. God is committed to changing your life. He is committed to finishing the work that he started in each and every one of us. And so we can have an expectation because we're not trying to do this alone. We're trying to do this with God. So I'm hoping that God is going to take us on a journey. And I want to see, you know what, listen, here's the deal. If, for those of you who feel like, I don't know, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up. Like we all survived 2020, 
right? We made it. Every single one of us in this room listening online, we made it through a really tough year. If God was able to get you through that, God can bring us into 2021 and God can make some changes and God can do a big thing in all of our lives. And so if we're going to go on this journey together, there are three things that we're going to need. So let me lay out, before I get into the first habit, let me lay out three things that I think we need if we're going to go on this journey together. The first thing that you're going to need is you're going to need some hope. You're going to need some hope for the future. Some of you, you know what? You are coming out of 2020 with no hope. You're just kind of dragging yourself out of 2020. It's been a tough year. I saw somebody say this. I saw this thing on, on online this past week. He said, I would like to cancel my subscription for 2021. I've completed my free seven-day trial, and I'm not interested. Because, listen, this last week has been pretty crazy. And so maybe that's where you're at right now. You don't have a lot of hope. 2020's just kind of sucked that hope out. Maybe you don't have hope for your job, for your career. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe you've been furloughed. Maybe your hours have been cut back. Maybe you've been kind of, you know, for 10 months. It's hard to believe we're coming up on a year of these shutdowns, you know, in March. And so maybe the last 10 months, it hasn't given you a lot of hope for your family. That you've just kind of been, you know, like, I don't know, we're all, the walls are up and we're not really getting along and it's not good. Maybe you don't have hope for your soul. Maybe you've just kind of realized that your life is broken. It's kind of the pressure of 2020 just revealed and manifested some brokenness in your life. And so you don't have hope for that. Or, or maybe you don't have hope because of the political instability or, or that this virus is never going to end. Maybe you had hope when the vaccines were rolling out. And now we're seeing that apparently it's pretty hard for our government to figure out how to put a vaccine in the arm of grandma and grandpa. And, and so maybe that's something that is, that's taken away your hope. You know what? There are a lot of challenges. The people of God always face a lot of challenges. God's people have faced challenges all throughout history, and we're facing challenges right now. But you see, here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, people who have God in our life, there is a phrase that we can hold on to. There is a phrase that can make all the difference, and that phrase is, but God. See, the reason you can have hope, and you guys are going to have to help me preach a little bit here this morning. The reason you can have hope is because there is a but God reality that is waiting for you. See, God, in dealing with his people all throughout the ages, they have faced hard, hard things. But what made the difference was God. And so you have Noah. Noah's on the ark, and the, as far as the eye can see, the, the earth is covered in water. And he's wondering, is, this, is the water ever going to recede? Am I going to die on this boat? But it says in the Bible, but God remembered Noah and sent a wind so that the water began to recede. Then you have Jacob. Jacob, for 14 years, was ripped off by his father-in-law, Laban. And his father-in-law, he was a pretty crafty dude. And he could have, should have left, you know, Jacob with nothing. But in Jacob giving testimony, he said, but God did not permit him to harm me. And then you have David. David called to be the next king. And the previous king, he didn't like that, the current king. And so he's hunting him down. Saul's hunting him down to kill him. And David is having to hide in caves because there's a whole army trying to kill him. And all David has with him is a bunch of vagabonds, people who've latched on. But it says, but God did not deliver him into Saul's hands. 
Then you have the prophet. I think it was, I think it was Asaph. He's writing and he said, he's going through something. I don't know what he's going through, but he says, my flesh and my heart may fail. You know, I may be going through something that will make my body break down, that will make my soul give up, but God is the strength of my heart. See, we serve a but God reality. We can have hope because but God. And then you even have Peter who on the day of Pentecost, he's standing in Jerusalem and everybody's around him and everybody's listening and he's challenging them and he's telling them about Jesus and he's talking about the crucifixion, which for him was a dark, dark moment because all of the hopes and dreams he had that Jesus was the Messiah and Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God, he watched them all die on that day when Jesus died on the cross. But Acts 2.24, it says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. There is a but God waiting for you. You in your life this year, I tell you what, you keep your eyes on God, you keep focused on him. You're going to see a door that's maybe closed that you can't open up. You're going to see a, a dead end. You're going to see challenges. You're going to see difficulty. But you're going to be able to say at some point this year, boy, things were hard. Things were difficult. But God made a way when there was no way. But God delivered me. But God made, gave me the strength that I needed. But God moved the obstacles that I couldn't move on my own. There is a but God reality that's waiting for each and every one of us so you can have hope. You're also going to need repentance from your past. Repentance from your past. Repentance, a lot of times we think of that as a negative word, you know, like repent. But repentance, it, it simply means to change direction. To change direction in every single one of us. We got something in our life. There's an area in your life, you've been going down the certain road, you've been going in one direction, and it's not working out very good for you, right? It's like maybe there's an attitude that you have, there's unforgiveness or there's bitterness that you have. Maybe there's, you know, relationships with people and walls keep getting higher rather than coming down. Maybe there's, there's a habit or there's an addiction or there's a sin that you keep turning to over and over again, and you've been going down this road, and it's time for you to repent. It's time for you to just turn around and start going down a different road. If, if you've had any experience in, in any 12-step meetings or 12-step ministries, you've probably heard my life in five chapters. And so my life in five chapters, it goes like this. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I still don't see it. I've fallen again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. It isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's habit. It's my fault. I know where I am. I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down a different street. And some of us, listen, all of us, there's a different street that we need to walk down, right? There's a different street. If you want to see God show up in your life and bring you into everything that he has for you, you got to walk down some different streets. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.13. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, 
but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. What Paul says is, listen, I want to, he says elsewhere right after this, I want to take hold of everything for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And he says, so I'm going to forget the other roads that I've been on, the other roads that I've gone down. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go down the Jesus path. I'm going to go down the Jesus way. I'm going to get on that street. I'm going to change the street that I'm going down. And so we need to form some new habits and then, or we need to, we need to repent in some ways and then we need to form some biblical habits. We need to form some biblical habits. We need, and that's what the next month is going to be about. And then I'm hoping that all year we're going to be on this journey and we're going to be implementing them. Some biblical habits in our life that can support the uphill dreams and hopes we have for God and his kingdom and his mercy in our life. Romans 12, 2 says this. And I'll read it in the message version because I, it's, it's kind of a well-known verse and I like it sometimes when there's paraphrases that make us hear it in a little bit of a different way. It says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And so these habits that we're going to be talking about, they're ways that will allow you to fix your attention on God. And then once we do that, God gets to work and he starts changing us from the inside out. And I love the phrase that says, a well-formed maturity in you. Who would like to see 2021 bring a deeper, well-formed maturity in our lives? See, the way that's going to happen is as we have habits that enable us to fix our eyes on God. So this is where we're going. And I'm going to try to be as practical as I can during the series. Got some lights flickering up here, guys, if we could play with them to see if we can keep them from flickering. Uh, so habit number one, the first habit is put God first. Put God first. And I hope that you hear the clear message that I try to preach every single week. It's just oftentimes a variation of, of put God first in your life. Put Jesus right smack dab in the center of your life. Don't have Jesus as part of your life. Don't have Jesus be a side dish because the reality is if Jesus isn't first in your life, he's not really in your life. It doesn't work that way. There, that option isn't really available to us because he is the source of everything. He's the center of everything. And what he's modeled to us is that he always gives us his best. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. So it is not an option for us to say, I'm going to live my life. I got my boyfriend. I got my girlfriend. I got my career. I got my stuff. I got this hobby that I really love. And, and I, I'm going to have a little bit of Jesus. And Jesus is going to be kind of somewhere in the mix. No, he, we, we are called to put God first. The Bible makes that really clear in so many ways. Do you know the very first four words in the Bible? Genesis 1.1. The first four words in the Bible, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Let's make that our creed for every part of our life, every way that we can. In the beginning, God. We're going to put God first. You know what? Listen, guys, when I'm trying to do something here, I want our passion for God stoked up. I'm concerned that many of us, what we're doing is we are, we are dragging. We're in the spiritual doldrums coming out of 2020. We need to put God first and we need to rediscover the excitement and the passion that we should have from worshiping him. 
We need to rediscover it. We need to put him first. My vision for my life, my vision for this church has always been that we would be a group of people who understand that with Jesus at the center of our life, that, that we're getting life from him, that we're getting so much more from him so that whenever we worship, whenever we serve, whatever we do, we don't do it out of a sense of obligation. We do it out of a sense of joy because God is so good to us. And so I want to see as we go into 2021, I want to see that passion expressed. I want to see that passion expressed in everything that we do. What, what the way that it should work is that each, you know, the hundreds of people who, who call this church to their home, that we're all in our different contexts and different jobs and even different communities, different households. We're trying Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, we're trying to live putting God first. And then we come together. We come together on Sunday morning, you know, right now, some of us here and some of us there, but we come together with other people who are also trying to put God first. And yeah, we're all in different places on our journey, but we're trying to put God first and we focus our eyes on him and that we worship him with abandon. We worship him with excitement. We give him, we worship him all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to see us, if we're going to come into everything that God has for us for 2021, we need our passion for God stirred up up. We need to be reminded about how good he is and not just kind of, you know, hear it and think it and just kind of sit there like this, but say, amen, God. Yes, God, all that I am, I'm going to worship you. Is anybody out there this morning? Anybody agree with me that we need to give God all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Now, listen, I get a lot of flack leading this church because I'm a Patriots fan. Some of you are like, I can't come to this church anymore. And but the reason I get flack is because, you know, I grew up here. I grew up in Dumont and I've lived in Bergen County most of my life. And it's like, why are you rooting for the enemy? Now, listen, let me, I don't know if this will help at all, but when, it, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, but when it comes to basketball and baseball, I'm a Knicks fan and I'm a Mets fan. All right. And I, I love basketball and baseball too. So I'm like home team for basketball and baseball. And so I, this Knicks team, I don't know if any of you, any, any Knicks fans out there? Yeah, well, this Knicks team is great. I love this Knicks team. They're like really young and they got a good coach and they're playing well together. So I think it was Wednesday or Thursday night. I'm watching them play the Utah Jazz and they're playing in the garden and it's empty, you know, because of the pandemic. There's nobody there. And it was a great game because they were down by 18 points. And uh, by the end of the third quarter, they had taken the lead. And then the fourth quarter, it was kind of back and forth, and you didn't know if they were going to hold the lead. And then Austin Rivers, and maybe I'm giving you too much basketball information, but Austin Rivers started draining threes, just three after three after three. They ended up winning by 10 points. And all of the players after the game and the announcers, they were saying, man, could you imagine if the garden was full of people for this game? The place would have been rocking. I mean, the roof would have come down. It would have been so exciting. If we can, and you know what, That's I, I would have loved to have been there, and I would have been cheering my heart out. But if we can get excited about grown men putting a ball in a hoop, can't we get a little bit excited about our God? Can't we get a little bit excited as we come together and as we worship him and as we put him first, that, that we just kind of go all in? Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 8. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I don't want that ever said of the North Jersey Vineyard Church. I don't want that said of me, that I'm saying the right things or we're singing the right songs, but our hearts are far from God. I hope that we're able to, as we come into 2021, that we're not just dragging the ash 
pastors that we've had with us, you know, through 2020, let's throw some logs on the fire. And let's say whether we're here in person or whether we're online, let's say we are going to give God the worship that he deserves. We are going to fix our eyes on him, center of our life, in the beginning God. And that commitment from all of us as individuals, listen, that will show up in a powerful, life-giving way as we gather to worship. And so I want us to have a little bit more intentionality about that. I want you to, listen, have that extra cup of coffee when you come to church. Stop it, whatever it takes, that we're going to give God the glory and honor that he deserves as we come to worship through all throughout 2021. And so in the beginning, God, and so we give God the first of everything. Now, I want to be as practical about this as I can. I don't want to just kind of say something and, you know, try to get us stirred up, get a couple of amens. I want to give us some practical things that we could do to actually put God first in our life. Now, usually when preachers talk about this, they're talking about money. And I actually, I, I don't know if this actually, this principle of putting God first in everything is primarily a money principle. I think money's a part of it. But I think it's talking about our, our whole life, our entire life. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. It applies to everything, to every part of our life. And it says, I love this from the Living Bible, it says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And so, so I want to walk us through this. And I've done this before. Maybe I might do this every first time I preach every January for a while. But how do we do that? What does it look like to give God the first of everything? Well, let's start with thinking about giving God the first of our year. That is why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. The reason we do that, and we will do 21 days of prayer and fasting to start the year. As long as I'm the lead pastor of this church, we're going to be doing that because it's a way for us to come together and give God the first of our year. And so I want to encourage you, if you've been participating in it, awesome. You know what? Let's keep going. We got two more weeks here. If you haven't, get involved, either either through Facebook Live or in person, or maybe you can't, you know, you can't do it at six o'clock in the morning. That's okay. Just get the devotional and, and, and pray along with us and be a part of it. Because here's the reality. You know what? I need this. I like I I have to travel a lot, but I always try to have it be that I'm not traveling for the first three weeks of January because I want to be a part of this. I want to press in. Uh, there's so much I think that God wants to do in us and through us, and I need His help to do it. Listen, if I'm trying to lead this church in my own strength, we're all in trouble. We need God to show up, and so this is a way for us to give God uh, the first of the year and be involved in that. And the second thing is to give God the first of your month. Now, all the other ones, you know, the year, and we're going to talk about the week and the day, those are kind of practical, a little bit easier to wrap your head around. This one, like, what does it mean for us to give God the first of our month? Maybe it means that you take the first day of every month and you fast and, and you kind of try to find a little extra time to pray and to, to really, you know, think about your month and give it to the Lord. Maybe it has to do with your, with your schedule and your budgeting. I think that maybe could be a big part of it, that you sit down at the beginning of the month and you think about how you're going to spend your time and you think about your work obligations and other obligations just to make sure that it's not cutting into your church obligations, it's not cutting into the primary relationships in your life, that, that if you're married, 
schedule out time to spend with your spouse. A little hard to go on date nights right now since we can't, like, it's too cold to eat outside, but, but that you would spend some time with them, that you'd plan some fun things to do with your kids, that your friendships, that you would make sure that you have time to grow in your friendships with people. Because what happens if we're not intentional, just busyness eats everything up. And we end up not deepening these relationships. And so you might say, well, what does relationships have to do with putting God first? Well, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Right? I, whenever, I, whenever I perform a, a marriage ceremony, I always include the verse that says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Saying that the husband is one strand, the, the, the spouse is the other, the wife is the other strand, and Jesus is the third strand that ties them all together. So I think when we're intentional about relationships, it's a way that we're putting God first. And so another part of it is when it comes to our budgeting, when it comes, when it comes to our finances, give your first to God. And I'm not going to do a whole tithing thing, but but I believe in the principle of the tithe. And so what I try to do in my life, what I do, you know, we get paid, uh, those who work here at the church, every, two, every, every other Friday. And so a lot of times on that Friday morning, before I get out of bed, I open up the PushPay app and I give that first 10% to God. I, I think that's a really, that's a really good thing to do. It's a way of, of showing our dependence upon God, showing that, that we're partnering with Him, that we're giving Him the first of everything. And you know what? Let me give you a little, a little advice, a good goal to have is that when it comes to your finances, you give the first 10% to God. You give the second 10% to yourself. You know, you save it, you invest it, and you try to live on 80%. And some of you might say, living on 80%, I can't even live on 100%. This isn't really working. A lot of people live on like 108% when you factor in credit cards. But you know what? Here's the thing. It's hard for everybody. It's actually hard to do that, even people who make a lot of money, because what happens is our lifestyle always grows along with the money. And who was it, you know, uh, uh, you know, more money, more money, more problems kind of shows up in a lot of ways in our lives. But if you're not intentional about it, you're not going to do it. And so we look for ways to give God the first of our month and then we give God the first of our week. And so I want to say to all of you who are here right now, all of you who are online, good job. So far, so good. Giving God the first of the week through worship. Now, do you know why it's interesting? Something, a historical shift happened 2,000 years ago. Because for hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands, a thousand years before that, Jewish people worshiped God on Saturday. They worshiped God on the Sabbath. And then you had these Jewish Christians, the early church, they changed it to Sunday. And part of the reason they did that, and this was a huge change, part of the reason they did that was because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday, but it wasn't the only reason they did that. They also did it because according to the Jewish calendar, Saturday was the last day of the week and Sunday was the first day of the week. And so they wanted to give God the first of the week. And so I would encourage you, make a commitment, a practical thing that you say, you know what, I'm going to show up at church in person or online, but once the, you know, the vaccine is out there, we can gather together. I'm going to show up in church and I'm going to worship God. I'm not going to leave it to chance. I'm not going to see if I feel like it or if there isn't a better offer. I'm going to, to be with the people of God and I'm going to worship. But don't stop there. Let's make it a real Sabbath. There are three elements to the Jewish Sabbath. When God talks about the Sabbath, there are three elements. There's worship and then there's rest and there's the Sabbath meal. And so rest, you know what? Take a nap on Sunday. Go home today. Don't catch up on your emails. 
Don't say, oh, you know what? I want to get a head start on my, on my work week. You know, that's not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a time for you to rest. And, and the promise from God is that with him, you can be more fruitful and get more done with six days. If you take that one day, that Sabbath, you take it to rest. So, so take a nap this afternoon. Then, and you'll be, you'll be keeping the Sabbath. Another element of the Sabbath is what was known as the Sabbath meal. That was kind of the, almost the central part. You go to the temple and then you would have the Sabbath meal. And it would be a meal with your immediate family. Maybe you would invite friends over. And again, maybe it's hard for us to jump right into that now, but have that, you know, we've always talked about like the Sunday dinner. Right. For a lot of families, you know, you have your Sunday dinner that comes from trying to keep the Sabbath that we don't just kind of drug, go through the drive through at McDonald's and like eat the eat the happy meal on the way home. That we sit down with our family and we have a meal and we talk to each other and we celebrate that relationship that we make it an actual Sabbath. And then we seek to give God the first of your day every day. Give God the first of your day. If you want to see your life transformed, I don't know if there's anything that will produce more juice in your, into transformation in your life than giving God the first of your day. When you wake up in the morning, let your first thought be, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let your first thought be, God, I love you and I worship you. Before you check the weather, before you check the stocks, before you check Twitter or your emails or whatever, you worship God, and I would encourage you to spend time with God in the beginning of your day. Spend time with God. Just give the first 15 minutes of your day to God. Now, is there anyone here who doesn't have an extra 15 minutes? Is there anyone here who would say, I've got a medical condition that will not allow me to wake up 15 minutes early? I don't think so. I don't think there's anybody here who, would, who, who can't do that. And so you give God the first 15. Break it down. What you can do is you can spend the first, you know, maybe five or six minutes reading the Bible. You may not know this, but we've been trying to, to, to uh, get all of you guys to download our app. And on our app, we have a daily Bible reading plan. If you go to the front page of your app, right in the lower left-hand corner, you'll see a right-hand right -hand corner, you'll see an icon of the Bible. And if you click on that, so today you're to read Genesis chapters 25 and 26, and Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 17. And so you can, then you, then you click on it, and those verses open right up. And so you can spend, you know, five to ten minutes reading God's Word every single day. You can spend a couple of minutes worshiping. So start your day by putting on one worship song. Put on one worship song and just start your day focusing on Jesus. What a beautiful name you are. You know, we, we lift you up or Waymaker or whatever song it is and spend a few minutes focusing on Him. Then spend a few minutes praying. Whatever it is that you're going to be facing in your life that day, wherever you need God to show up for you or to strengthen you, ask, invite Him in. Ask, say, God, I need your strength. I got this meeting or I got this conversation or I've got this project. I need your help. Spend some time praying for the people in your life who need God to show up for them. Spend some time praying for your church, for your country, for your world, for the kingdom of God to break in. We give God the first of our day, the first 15 minutes. So that's your homework assignment. And we're going to make it a little bit easy for you. You can actually jump right in and give God your first hour. If you, if you make a point of Monday through Friday, every day this week at six o'clock in the morning, pray with us, whether in person or online, but we give God the first part of our day. And then here's the final point. We can then expect God to bless the rest. We can expect God to bless the rest. This is what he does. 
This is the promise in Scripture that if we honor him with our firsts, that he will take the rest and he will multiply it. I can tell you how many times it was when I was in prayer that I had a great thought of how to fix maybe a problem or a situation that I had in my life. God will multiply your thoughts. He'll give you better thoughts. God will multiply your time. He'll multiply your fruitfulness. He'll multiply your relationships. He'll multiply your promise, your, your finances. This is a promise that God makes us all throughout Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 6 to 10. It says, In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Who here doesn't want straight paths? That 2021, there'd be straight paths. Who doesn't want health to your body and nourishment to your bones? It goes on and it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And we're not just talking about money. Honor the Lord with the wealth of your days and your weeks and your months and your years. Give him the first. In the beginning, God, in every part of your life, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Whenever new wine is mentioned in the Bible, it, it's, it's kind of used to suggest the abundant life, joy, the good things that God has for you. So as we, I, what I hope is that, is that we start this year, we start this focus by saying, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to look for it, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. I'm going to put God first. What Jesus, he said in his language, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are the things that you want added to you? What are the things that you're hoping and dreaming for in 2021? What are the things that you want, the uphill hopes that you have? What are, what are they? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. We give God the first and then God takes care of the rest. And so I want to encourage you that you make some changes in your life. Take some, make some changes in your daily life, your weekly life, your monthly life, your annual life, that we will put God first, that we'll give him all of our strength, all that we are. We'll give him the first part, the best part. And we're going to see God show up and we're going to see transformation and we're going to see some changes. So let's pray. God, I thank you that you invite us into this relationship. I thank you, God, that you have always given us your best. You've always given us, Lord, your first. And so, God, we want to live from that place in the beginning, God. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now, God, wherever anyone is hopeless, wherever anyone is fearful, wherever anyone is afraid of having expectations, I pray that you, the God of hope, would just breathe hope right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would identify those roads that were going down where you have a different path for us. Lord, you have a different way for us and we would find our way along the path that you have for us. And God, I pray that you'd give us the grace that we need to, to live differently, God. That we wouldn't just hear these words and go on our way, but God, that you would help us to establish these, these biblical habits in our life. That we give, put you first in anything, in everything that we do, in everything that we are, in all of our strength, all of our days. And listen, if you're hearing this right now, and you haven't done the first thing, because before you can give God the first of your year, and the first of your month, and the first of your week, and the first of your life, you got to give him your life. And so if you haven't done that yet, 
If you haven't given Jesus your life and put him in the center of your life, there is not a better thing that you can do here at the beginning of a new year than to surrender your life to Jesus to invite him in. And so if you're ready to do that, if maybe you've never done that before, or maybe you did like years ago, but if you're honest, you've really drifted away and it hasn't, Jesus hasn't been the center of your life for a while, but you want, you want him in now and you want to invite him in now, pray this prayer. And just close your eyes. You don't have to say it out loud, whether you're watching through the live stream or whether you're here in the room. And say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I give you my life. I believe that you died on the cross in my place. And I ask you to forgive all of my sins. Come and live inside of me through your Holy Spirit. And teach me, God, how to put you first. To live out in the beginning, God. Because from here on out, Lord, I'm going to follow you. From here on out, I declare you are the Lord of my life. You come first. And so just keep your eyes closed. But if you're in the room and you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer here this morning to, to put God first in your life, to surrender your life to Jesus. All right. And, and so for those of you in the room, for those of you online, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. Text FOLLOW to 201-584-7188. If you do that, Pastor Charles is going to reach out to you and he's going to say, how can I pray for you? Answer any questions that you might have. Figure out some ways that he could support you to kind of help you on this, this new life, this new journey with Jesus, with Jesus at the center. All right, we're going to close the service here in a moment. We've got prayer people who are going to go over to my right in this corner over here. They'll be ready to pray for you with masks on and socially you know, being socially distanced, whatever your needs are. Maybe you just know that you're coming into this new year without hope. And so we want to pray for you that God will give you an infusion of hope. Maybe you know that there's some deep-seated negative habits in your life that are going to be hard to break. You know what? God is powerful enough to break those habits. We're going to pray for those habits to break. Maybe you want to just pray that God will give you the strength to give him the first of your day, the first of your week, the first of every part of your life. Whatever it is, we want to pray for you. All right? God bless you guys. Uh, it was great worshiping with you this morning and hope to see many of you either here or online uh, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. as we continue our 21 days of prayer and fasting. God bless you.